risen, Grace family. <clears throat> hmm, and that's why we're here today. Welcome to Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury because there's a whole bunch of Grace Fellowships, okay? My name is Phil. Everybody say hi, Phil. You don't need to know my name, but just so you don't feel confused about who the crazy young person is that you're listening to this morning, now you know. I love you guys. I love this family. I love Jesus. Does anybody just love Jesus in the room? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. I see some hands up. See, I want to be the type that I don't care what other people think or say. I'm going to tell you I love me some Jesus because he is truly the only thing worth loving. And let me tell you, Easter Sunday is one day of the year, but I serve him 365. How about you? Mm. Okay, all right, y'all, come on, we got to get to it, we got to get to it. I already see people looking at me like, Phil, you're going to go 18 hours over your time. All right, everybody, if you're willing and able, stand to your feet, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. This is the church, this is not a service. Find someone you've never met, give them a four-fingered high five, and tell them your favorite Easter food, your favorite Easter food. I don't even know if there's really Easter food. I guess ham? I don't even know. Polish kielbasa, all right. All right. God's house is buzzing this morning. Man, y'all need to talk to auntie, uncle, grandma that didn't come and be like, you should have been in church this morning, family. Love it. All right, it's too much love. Stop, sit down. Sit down. I said meet one person. Y'all just met half the auditorium. All right, if you know anything about me, uh, I always give you a quiz, all right? So on the count of three, you need to yell at the person's name you met and their favorite Easter food. Oh, see, I see some of you already like, oh, my gosh. I did not know that this was math class. If you went to Kennerdale, you'd fail it. All right, no, I'm just playing. One, two, three. All right, most of y'all didn't do the assignment. It's fine. Hey, uh, hey, uh, did y'all, did y'all just, I need to say it again. I'm going to say it till the end of my days. Church is meant to be fun. Only half of you agree with me. We'll talk about, I'm okay, never mind. Praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit. All right. How many of you guys were here for Good Friday, two, three days ago, two and a half days ago? Mm, how many of you stayed till like 9.30 with us? Yeah, we had a two and a half hour service that was meant to be an hour just because the Holy Spirit took it. The Holy Spirit took it. It was amazing. And here we are, and I just want you to know your seat has been prayed over. Don't know what you walked in with? Don't know a lot of you. I hope to. Your seat's been prayed over. You have specifically been prayed over. Whether or not you want it, we did it anyways. And here we are, Easter Sunday family. It's exciting, isn't it? Do you feel the sense of excitement in this room? Does this place feel like it could just, the, the, the lid could just pop off this at any point? That's what it should feel like. So praise God that it does. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, was murdered on a cross, and on this day, the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. And the explanation of that has absolutely rocked this entire planet to the point where, again, whether or not we like it, two billion people claim to believe it that are alive. Billions more before. It's one of the youngest major religions, yet the most popular by a lot. How could that be? Almost as if it's true. It is. My brother Igor. 
And that's what we're here to celebrate today and to talk about. Now, here's the reality, friends. This probably is not new news to you. Most of you know why you're in the room. Well, Phil, I've gone to plenty of services. I've gone to plenty of masses. I know about God. And I'd ask you the question, you might know about him. Has it changed anything about you? Knowing God has never mattered. Knowing about him has never really done anything for anybody. But having him change your heart has done a lot of things for a lot of people. There's a reason that worldwide charity is something like 90% Christian. Why? Because when the real God makes real change in real people, real stuff happens. I still haven't touched my notes. Where should we go, family? Are some of you all already wanting to leave? Are some of you all like, oh boy, didn't know what I was coming for this morning? Me neither. Me neither. (laughs) 95% of the people in this room love me. 5% of you already hate me. Already. And you know what? I'll accept the five. Talk, email me. Actually, email Mark Fair. He's the guy for that. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Here's the reality. You know why you're here. We all know why we're here. Well, yeah, you come to church on Easter. That's just what you do. We know why we're here. Jesus died. He rose. And that's what I believe or my family believes or someone forced me to be here. So I'm here to sit in a service and then go on with my life. But my question this morning isn't if we know why we're here. My question is, do we feel why we're here? Knowing what Jesus did isn't the same as experiencing in your soul what Jesus did. Saying you believe Jesus rose from the dead is different than it changing your life. Your family being Christians is different than you being a Christian. Jesus being at the edge of your life isn't the same as Jesus being at the center of your life. So this morning, as we celebrate and sing and study and get loud and go to family dinners and do devotionals and Easter egg hunts and eat too much and all that good stuff, let me just ask, is this a celebration uh, just a holiday or is it your whole life? One's the right answer, one's not. Let's pray. Let's get into some content. And also, I forgot, I want to give out some Easter eggs. I just forgot, I skipped it. I got to in the moment. Let's pray if you would. Pray with me. Oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. That we messed up and we continue to. And yet you still sent your son. You knew we wouldn't get perfect. But you sent him anyways. And you love us. And you want us. You want relationship with us in a way that I even wonder how often I'm fully experiencing it. And you died on a cross and you thought about me. And three days later, you blew the lid off that tomb because you're boss. But that CEO chose us. Father, we thank you. We ask that today, um, God, somebody, if not all of us in the room, would experience your Holy Spirit and your Son and you in a way we've never before, that it would actually do something to our souls that maybe I've thought about this religion thing the entire time while missing the relationship. And Father, would we leave not in shame or condemnation, but with overwhelming joy of what you did for us. We love you, we trust you, we give this morning to you because you are worth it, and we're about to weird some people out, but all God's people sang, amen, come on now, come on now, all right, I gotta do this, because I forgot, 
I forgot. I have no rhyme or reason to this. That's for you. Love you. This is for you. Love you. Okay. All right. This is a combination of uh, handwritten notes by me and my daughters. Some of them don't even really say words. Okay. Uh, I, I skipped that side of the room. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's for you, brother. How many more I got left in here? Just one, two, two. Oh, yes. For you, my dog. Uh, my pants are falling down a little bit. Should have put a belt on. I also don't wear pants that have a belt. So, oh, that's for somebody. All right. All right. I'm already out of breath. No, I love you. That's my mom. You can't have it. <laughs> it's for you, my brother. And then the whole basket, the good stuff. This is who you really want. This. You got your hand. He asked for it. No, she asked. I got ladies first. Ladies first. Love you. Love you, bonnets. How many bonnets has we got? Like 40 in the room? But they get y'all run York County, I swear. Okay, I'm tired. Whew. Boy, hasn't been doing cardio. I'm a dad. All right. If you open one of those and it looks like kids wrote it, it was me. <laughs> Be blessed. We love you. Easter's not about eggs, but they're fun, right? Let's get into it. Here's our blueprint for the morning. It's a pretty simple one. It's this. We loved him. We hated him. He died for us anyways. I was so tempted to go all challenging and theological. Some of you were probably here on Christmas, and that's the last time you've heard me speak. Uh, and I did. I was very challenging because, oh, I just want people to know Jesus so bad. Do you want that? Do you want that? My sister, Robin, this morning, I feel like I talk about you every time I preach. She just prayed such a beautiful prayer this morning, and she said, would you increase the burden on our hearts for people who don't know you? And I felt that. In fact, like I said, my heart's beating, not just because I just ran around the auditorium, but because Holy Spirit is laying it down. So we're going to be going this route, three things we're going to talk about, three places out of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them. If you've got your phones, Google Matthew, and it'll be on that page, okay? We'll be in chapter 21, chapter 27, chapter 28, just a few verses from each. But we'll get into Matthew 21, <clears throat> verses 6 through 9. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Of course, many of you know this is the tri triumphal entry. This is what we talk about on Good Friday. Ben, uh, or on Palm Sunday, Ben talked about it last week. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. First point is this, we loved him. We loved him. We as a people have loved Jesus <clears throat> for effectively all of eternity. If you read Genesis or John or really any of the Bible, uh, it's clear that Jesus has been here since day one. <clears throat> when we see that the spirit was hovering over the water and then we read John 1 and it says that he was here, uh, the word was with God and the word what? Was God. Ooh, I got some people who know the Bible in here. Hold up. Didn't know. If you didn't know, no shame. <laughs> we loved him. What we see here is commonly called the triumphal entry. We talked about it last week and what I see is the people at the time, they loved Jesus. They hailed him as king. They laid their cloaks and found palms to lay at his feet because they didn't think that his feet should even touch the ground. They loved him. 
They exalted him. There is so clearly this understanding of who Jesus is. Like people are recognizing that this man is a king. This man's important. They're recognizing that he's worthy of praise. Even the historical reference just shortly before this, uh, Jesus talks to a man named Bartimaeus who knows this story. What did Bartimaeus give to Jesus? His cloak, his coat. For a homeless person, for a beggar like Bartimaeus was, it would have been known that that was his only possession. Not only was it his only possession, it was his way of collecting money because he would lay it down and hope somebody would throw some change in it and then he would collect it. And it said Bartimaeus gave him his what? Cloak. And then now we see triumphal entry, people laying what down at his feet? Cloaks. Historically speaking, this would have been important. This would have mattered. They're laying something that is uh, of value, of significant value at Jesus' feet. So when I see that, whether they're rich or they're poor, it had to have been significant. And what was happening was people were getting a glimpse, just a glimpse, of who Jesus was. And because they saw it, they loved him. Here's the reality. Jesus is easy to love. We'll talk about some more here as well. But Jesus is easy to love. Everything about him is amazing. He did things no one else has ever done and no one else ever will do. That's why we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. And regardless of what the internet or your cousin Alicia, who has a million weird opinions about God, thinks, the truth of the matter is no one in history has ever affected the world like he did and no one ever will. He's easy to love. And they loved him here. They loved him here. And that was important for some and eventually irrelevant for others. Say that one more time. He was easy to love, and that was important for some and eventually irrelevant to others. It's like going to a concert of your favorite artist, and while you're there, you're so infatuated by their presence, and the show was so, so good, and you swear they're your absolute favorite, and no one could ever do it better till they retire four years later, and a new artist comes out that sounds exactly the same, and they're your new favorite. We loved them while it was convenient for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I hope none of y'all bought tickets to that Taylor Swift concert. Oh, come on, y'all. Where's, where's Sarah Holland's at? Them joints sold out in 14 milliseconds, and people were paying obscene amounts of money to go see this woman perform. She's not going to be here forever. So now I'm not going to take Swift. She's good. I don't listen to her at all, but I believe you. <laughs> we love people. We love experiences. We loved Jesus until the emotion of the experience wears off. Friends, it's easy to love Jesus casually. We see it here. They loved him casually. They had a moment of really worshiping God. They had a moment of giving things up for him. A couple days later, they weren't singing the same tune. We're going to talk about that in a second. But friends, it's easy to love Jesus casually, but I need you to hear me. He didn't die in a casual way, and it wasn't a casual relationship he died for. Many in this moment here at the triumphal entry truly loved him. They exalted and they lift him up. Some even truly believed who he said he was and would go on to follow him. But many only loved him for the moment, not for he truly was. And that type of love doesn't last and doesn't mean anything. There are people referenced in the Bible that didn't follow Jesus. There are people in this story who laid palms at his feet and never really chose to follow him. When you think about that, we loved him. 
We loved him, and he's worth loving. He's easy to love, so we continue. Matthew 27, just a couple chapters later. Now it was the governor's custom. At this point, Jesus has been betrayed. He's been turned over. We're not here to talk about that because the only thing turned over this morning is the stone somebody. But it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was, get this, Jesus Barabbas. Uh, Not going to get into theology there, but uh, popularly believed his first name was Jesus. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who's called the Messiah. For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. I, I, I often envision what this looked like because we would be texting. We, you know, wifey would have texted Pilate and been like, don't do it. Don't do it. And then she would have sent it with urgency. You know what I'm saying? Like his notifications would have said, notification silence, and she would have said, notify anyways. (laughs) Some of you were like, Phil, I do not know what you're talking about. It's okay. She sent him a message one way or another. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. Well, what shall I do then with Jesus, who many are calling the Messiah? And they answered, crucify him. The second reflection today is this. We hated him. We hated him. We loved him, and then we hated him. The same Jesus that very shortly before was exalted by many of the same people is now being condemned to death. They're literally choosing a criminal to be realized over the perfect Jesus Christ. There's literally another option to release who is a known, like, vicious criminal. Like, you can actually look into writings that are non-Bible that talk about things Barabbas did. This was not a man that just had petty theft. This man did horrible things, and he could have been released. And the people hated Jesus so much they picked Barabbas. I have to ask this question. That seems heinous. That seems not to fit. That seems like, well, how could you possibly do that? And I want to argue we've picked Barabbas a million times in our life. I've picked Barabbas a million times in my life. They loved the idea of Jesus for a few days, but quickly condemned him to death because they didn't like what he had to say about life, sin, hell, or heaven. Uh, I want to give you an example. I had a young adult message me about a week ago who, I love him, he thinks deeply, and he asked me the question, and this isn't in the notes, so thank you, Holy Spirit, because there's probably in this, people in this room who think this way. He asked the question, well, if there's a lot of options and a bunch of religions don't have a hell, why would I pick Christianity, which says God could send people to hell? And I said, you're allowed to believe whatever you want, but only one's right. <laughs> you can think whatever you want. You can have a million opinions, and you can go follow the religion that you literally have just self-described as easier. The path paved to hell is full of easy decisions. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Man, let him change your life this morning. He changed my life in this room. I came here unwilling. My mom, who's here now, I love her. She dragged me here. And I do mean physically almost about that. Dragged me here. I was 20 years old. And in this room, I encountered Jesus for the first time. I called myself a Christian my whole life, and I wasn't. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. 
And the minute I felt him, the minute I experienced him, truly knew him, it changed everything. Friends, do you know him? Do you know him yet? And if you don't, that's okay. You can meet him today. You can meet him tomorrow. You could have met him yesterday. He's not going anywhere. But I wonder, friends, we look at them and we say, oh, my goodness, how could you pick Barabbas? Jesus did nothing but good things for other people, and I wonder how different we really are for them. Like, how many times do we love someone one day and spite them the next? Talk kind to someone in front of their face and gossip about them when they walk out the room. Feel close one minute, then distant seemingly the next. I want to suggest to us, family, that we are not innocent. Part of the gospel message, which literally just means good news, is that maybe we are all guilty of trying to love God one day and hating him the next. I'm guilty of this. So let me ask you a question. I think we have to personally introspect. You know, one thing I love about Easter and Christmas services and and big events and things like that is that they bring people in and they're exciting and as families we celebrate and all that stuff is seriously beautiful. But for me, if all we ever do is come to a service and experience nothing, you might as well not come. We've missed it. And I'm just not afraid to say that. I am okay with some of these seats being empty next Easter because I challenged you. I'm also very okay with many of you coming back because God's amazing. (laughs) I showed up so much more ready than y'all this morning. Let's talk about how imperfect we all are speaking of this. I forgot to brush my teeth this morning. (laughs) I'm not lying. (laughs) I'm not lying. I got about halfway here. I wasn't even flustered either. I think I was just excited. Uh, And I got halfway here, and you know that just nasty feeling where you, I felt it. I still do, so. There's no toothbrushes here. We're all imperfect. That's the whole point of being here, right? Oh, I don't like when we say church is just this place for holy people. No, it's not. It's a place for broken people to come be healed. That's why I show up to church, because I'm messed up. And God has changed so much of that. Oh, cultural narratives kill me. Stop listening to your Uncle Jimmy John who just says that church is this, that, and the other. Plug your ears for that and open your ears to something better. How about it? How about we get off the internet telling you a million things about God that they know nothing about what they're talking about and talk to someone who God's changed their whole life. That might make a difference in our life. Where are we at in the message? I'm not sure. Anybody? What's my point? We hated him. We hated him. And yet I wonder how different we are. Did you just give me a mint, girl? I'm going to give you the biggest hug later. I don't know if that's endearing, funny, or embarrassing. Or maybe all three. Thank you, my sister. Uh, You aren't the first person to hand one to me. I don't know what that says. Let me reiterate, church, it's meant to be fun. Amen? Thank you. Appreciate that. Not going to chew it now, but obviously. Let me ask you a question, and again, I just think we have to introspect when we celebrate our Lord raising from the dead to save our sins, which has never and will never happen again. Ask us this question. It's not for someone else. It's for you. Are we laying palms one day and picking Barabbas the next? Are you laying palms on a Sunday and picking Barabbas on a Monday? Do you claim you love him, but during the week, if someone were to hang out with you significantly, it looks a whole lot like Barabbas? Again, guilty. Guilty. 
We love him when it's convenient. We love him when it's easy. We love him with our words and temporary actions. And yet so often myself and you have frankly denied him, friends. I admit that I feel like one of these people in Jerusalem. I admit even as I prepped this, I was like, I kind of don't want to teach it because I feel like it's me. The word of God will reveal things like that to you, by the way. Don't be too proud to, to hear and feel conviction. I know I used to be. Are we laying palms one day, but picking Barabbas, many others? I'm just going to keep it 100%. This might be deep spiritually for some of us or many of us, uh, but I don't say that comparatively. I just say it truthfully. This question matters. Are we laying palms one day, claiming we love him in front of other people, putting palms down, but we pick Barabbas when no one else is around? We love him when it's convenient. We love him when it's easy. And I feel like this. I feel like sometimes I, I love him and I listen to him and I'm laying palms at his feet and I'm literally physically getting on my knees to praise him. We just did it Friday night. And then the next I'm sitting in the crowd yelling to free Barabbas because I'd rather believe what I want than what Jesus came to say. You know, here's the thing. The reason people don't like Jesus has nothing to do with Jesus. It's just because they like what they have to say more than what he had to say. The only difference is that what he had to say is the only thing that matters. It's the only truth. I didn't love Jesus for a long time because I had my own opinions, and I wanted them to be that way. Once you get over that, you will be freer than you've ever felt. Some lyrics to a song uh, that mean a lot to me say this. Every time I sin, it blinds me so I cannot see the master. Pilate gave the choice. I'm in the crowd screaming to free Barabbas. We need to see that we are as broken as the next man, and actually embrace your brokenness to see room for correction. And to all the people who haven't made the connection, look up at the cross and notice the hammers in your hand. Here's the truth. We're no different than the people who yelled for Jesus to be crucified. We do it every day. We act in ways that nailed him up there. We sin, and because of that, he had to die. Verse 18 makes it extremely clear. They gave up Jesus out of their own self-interest. Why did we do that? Because Jesus pointed out our evil. John 7, 7, John 3, 20, John 15, 18. We could go on forever, a million other places in Scripture. We hate Jesus and Christianity, not because of any dumb reason that we make up. Well, I don't like Christians, or I don't like religion, or oh, it's just a bunch of rules. No, you hate him because he came to point out your problems. <clears throat> There's no other reason anybody hates Jesus. You don't like that he rubs up against what you want. Again, me. So they loved him, and then they hated him. We love him sometimes. We hate him sometimes, and that leads us to the final scripture, Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, <laughs> pause, can you imagine being the other Mary? Like, the Bible is infallible, which means it don't matter what you think, it's 100% truth, okay? I feel a little offended for the other Mary, okay? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Y'all never thought about that, really, did you? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. I'll just sit there for a second, hold on. Imagine you're in a restaurant, <laughs> and your best friend there's three of you, okay? Your best friend walks in, they know the server. <clears throat> they dap the server up. You know what that means? It's a, they handshake the server, okay? <clears throat> and they say, what's up? This is my friend, Philip Cook. That's my other friend. <laughs> and then just walks to the table. I'd leave. 
I'd be like, you, sir. I actually wanna know how I'd introduce myself. I'd be like, that was rude, my name's Philip. All right, you can call me Phil. Let's continue. Matthew 28, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. What an amazingly confident posture. That boy said, hey, let me move this, and I'm just going to sit on this because this ain't nothing. You know how many stones in your life ain't nothing, but you just got to let God roll them out the way for you? I hope some of this leaves with some of y'all because I am dropping nuggets right now. (laughs) I don't even know where they're coming from. Well, I do. That's not true. Verse 3. His appearance was like lightning. Imagine what this picture would have looked like. I mean, it had to have been amazing. And his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Isn't it popularly believed that that's said 365 times in Scripture? One for every day. Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. We loved him, we hated him, he died for us anyways. That's it, that's the entire gospel message. You don't need to leave church with a seminary degree to understand this, he, you loved him, You hated him. He died for you anyways. The times that we've loved him, the times that we've hated him, the times that we've laid palms at his feet one day and the times we've yelled for Barabbas to be released the next, the times we've claimed we believe him and act completely the opposite, he died for you anyways. He died for you anyways. I've been following the Lord probably about 10 years now. Meaning, like really following him. Not calling myself a Christian. Really following him trying my best. And while that first encounter I had with him sitting right over there where my, all my young squad are all sitting at, he broke me down and I sobbed in a church for the first time. But can I tell you something? I have sobbed about the realization of what Jesus has done for me another thousand times since. This morning, This morning, do not let Easter just be another celebration of an idea. Let it break your heart again. Let it change you a little bit this morning. Let it stir something in you. Let it it just move something that's needed to be moved. Like the crucifixion into the grave is nothing to just spend one day on. This man was perfect. He did amazing things. All he did was love people. He never made a mistake. And then he was incorrectly blamed for things. He was whipped 39 times because they said that 40 would have killed a man. They put a crown of thorns on his head and the thorns sunk in. Thorns, rose thorns are are big if you know anything about them. They sunk in on his head. Not only was that painful, they were mocking that he claimed to be a king. As he's almost dead, they make him carry an enormous wooden cross. He has to carry it up a mountain that he's about to be crucified on. Not only that, he was then laid on this cross and had nails. And when we think about crucifixion nails, I think sometimes we think like, oh, yeah, put a nail. No, 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 these were stakes 
to make sure he could be held up. They put one through his hand, another through the other hand, and then he put one through both feet. And they lifted him up, nearly dead, but he wasn't dead yet. And the interesting thing that we don't often think about with crucifixion is that you don't die from the pain. You don't die from the, the, the nails. You die because you suffocate up there because you can't hold yourself up to breathe. It was meant to be torture. And I need you to hear something this morning that will change your life if you let it. I believe deeply that as he sat up there moments before he let out his breath, the most insufferable death possible, he thought about you. He didn't think about us. He thought about you. This man was God. He thought about you. Every single thing you've ever done wrong. Every time you mocked him. Every time you were with your friends and acted like you weren't a Christian. Every time you only come on Easter because you hate church and blah, 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 blah. He thought of you and he said this, you're worth it. I wonder how many of you walked in this morning not feeling worth squat. And yet the God of the universe did that when he deserved none of it, and he thought directly about you. The crazy thing to me is that he knew a ton of people wouldn't accept him, and he died for them still. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the person that wastes that sacrifice. I don't want to be the person that wastes the fact that the Son of God, once and for all, died for me, said that if I just believe in him with my mouth and confess that he is Lord, I will be saved, Romans 10, 9. I don't care what your theology is. Go look at the Bible for your theology. All you have to do is believe and confess, and that sacrifice will be for you, so you will spend forever in eternity with him, regardless of you, because it's never been about you. Easter's not about you. It's all about him. This is why I started with he loved, we loved him and we hated him because it doesn't matter how much you've done of either. He died for you anyways. I pray this morning that, that changes someone's heart in a way that it has never before. Or if you've already accepted this, which so many of us have, and that's so beautiful, I want it to just stir something fresh. I want you to feel a wrenching in your heart and soul that's like this has not broken my heart recently. And let it today, let it. Because it's uncomfortable to let something break your heart. It's uncomfortable. I feel like especially for men. We're so proud and arrogant and egotistical and we're strong. I'm a man. Let him break you down. It's the best thing that could ever happen to you. The most amazing thing about Easter Sunday, and I'm closing with this, and I'm about to get super hyped and we're going to pray and who knows. The faith... And the Savior that we follow did not stay in that grave that they buried him in. <clears throat> the faith <clears throat> and the Savior that we follow, <clears throat> excuse me, did not stay in the grave that they put him in, that the devil thought would hold down for all of eternity, that he thought he had won, the Romans thought they had won, other religions thought they had won, but our God didn't stay in that grave. So if anyone makes you feel weak or less than for following Jesus, listen to my voice this Easter Sunday. Not only am I not weak, not only are you not weak, but we serve the only person who ever decided I'm stronger than death and did something about it. You can mock my faith, but that's only cute until you 
meet him yourself. You can like how you, what you want and live how you want, but that's only good until it isn't anymore. You can have a million opinions, but my father has ruled and reigned before you even knew your own name. And you can try to make me feel empty, but that can't work because empty is exactly what the tomb is today. So this Easter, I want to praise my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I will say his name unashamedly to whoever wants to hear it, Jesus Christ, for doing what I never could, dying for me when I loved him, dying for me when I hated him, dying for anyone who would accept and believe. So I want to leave you today with this. No matter what you do, he died for you. No matter what you've done, he thought about you up on that cross. No matter what you think you believe, he rose from the tomb and offers you salvation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll even insert, all you who think you're doing great, and I will give you rest. This Easter Grace family, leave not with something to do, but with a fresh realization of what's been done. It is finished. The battle is won. He did it for you. The cross could not hold him and the grave could not keep him. And through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only true God, our Savior and Lord, we can be free. So I ask you one more question. Is Easter just a holiday or is it your whole life? Because the tomb isn't empty just today. It's empty for eternity. Let's pray. Father, you are the one true God. You're the only truth. I just dispel in this room in Jesus' name any level of other things we believe because it doesn't matter. That tomb is empty. It will always be empty. You are who you said you are. And because you are who you said you are, everything changed. I ask right now for every person in this room, whether we've been following you for years or we're brand new to this or we don't care at all, I ask for your Holy Spirit, which is so clearly in this room, would you stir? Would you stir a heart in a new way? Would you set us on fire where there's only been embers? And Father, we thank you from the absolute depths of our souls for doing what we never could. We love you. We trust you. And we're about to sing and celebrate, and y'all, I need y'all to be getting into this. So in Jesus' name we say, amen. You guys can stand up, and we're about to sing, death was arrested. And I need you to sing it like you mean it, because death was arrested.